0: I was born with eczema. I was allergic to everything. I had a very small weak frame. I was told by the doctors, I couldn't basically do anything at all. So books became my life. Copywriting, it's all based on results. And if you can deliver results and show people you can deliver results, you don't really need much else. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. It's a constant learning. You've got to be continually learning.
1: Welcome to episode nine of the Idea Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cho, and today I have another very fun conversation to share. For the last two months, I have been working my way through a learning sprint on marketing and advertising, and the whole idea behind a learning sprint is to pick a topic that I'm curious about, compile a list of 10 to 15 of the best books on that topic, and then educate myself to hopefully acquire some basic level of competency in that subject area. I am now just over halfway through my marketing learning sprint, having read 8 of the 14 books that I compiled, and some of those books include titles like Confessions of an Advertising Man by David Ogilvy, Alchemy by Rory Sutherland, and Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. One hope that I had with starting the Idea Exchange podcast was that it would allow me the opportunity to enhance the learnings that I'm already doing through my reading and writing. In this episode with copywriter Andrew Gold was an excellent example of my attempts to do this. Andrew is far too humble a man to share just how much success he has seen, whether financially or otherwise, but I know from our offline conversations that he has developed remarkable competency in the art of copywriting. In thinking about the power of writing in general, I'm continually blown away by the high returns of honing this skill set. So even if you have no intentions or interest in marketing or advertising specifically, I still think you'll find a lot of value in Andrew's teachings. Also, I hope that you'll be able to hear through this discussion just how cool of a human Andrew is. His life story is fascinating, and it's always incredibly exciting to find great people find great career success as well. So, with that context, please enjoy my conversation with Andrew Gold. So Andrew, I guess this is round two for us. I appreciate you kind of entertaining the opportunity. I really enjoyed the conversation last time and figured, hey, I'm doing this marketing and advertising, basically learning sprint. And why not reach out and interact with people who could give me some like practical tips and tricks that I can use to amplify my skill set. So maybe just as a starting point, you have spent over a decade as a freelance copywriter and have developed some expertise within the space could you just share a little bit about your background and how you first got into copywriting
0: can do tyler thank you for having me on here i enjoyed our chat last time so yes i've been a freelance copywriter since 2009 i found myself in that path because growing up i was fascinated by the adverts in martial arts magazines they were absolutely crazy. I, and I soon came to realise that most of these magazines, no, not most, all of them are terrible magazines, <laughs> but the adverts in them were the high point for me. And that's probably why I kept buying them for so long. Because I wanted to see what crazy advert I'd see next. And they just fascinated me. But at the time, I never even thought, oh, that's something I could do. You could write these because I don't think you do think that as a consumer and then I went away to university and I got the internet for the first time this would have been about 1997 I think the internet was still fairly new and naturally I continued looking up martial arts and stuff on the internet and then on a forum somebody said oh it's one of those Dan Kennedy style adverts I thought oh Dan Kennedy, there's a name, let's Google the name. No, it wasn't Googling, but it was, I think, a Yahoo or AltaVista, Altavis, whatever it was called back then. And I searched the name, I found this Dan Kennedy. And it was like, if you give me your email address, I'll send you 12 lessons on copywriting. I'd never heard of this opting in thing before. It was still new to me. So I thought, oh, okay, gave him my email address. I've got 12 lessons about copywriting. And it's still fascinating. I found the whole idea of using words to sell to be really appealing It you made it sound scientific as well you're measuring conversion rates and it's it really appealed to me but i was at university doing an accounting degree so once this course had finished i really put it to the back of my mind it was something interesting but that was it i was going to be an accountant except probably start the second year of my degree i realized i hated accounting with a passion there was (laughs) no chance at all i was going to be sitting in an office typing in numbers adding them up and then that that could that was not me at all so i finished my degree and didn't really do great things after it just went from pretty much entry-level job to entry-level job you know I worked on a building site I stacked shelves served on a till pretty much any low-end menial job I did and eventually I found myself working a job in sales and I discovered I was pretty good at it which was amazing because growing up I was incredibly shy I and mean, I wouldn't say boo to a goose I was scared of my own shadow but I found I could go up to people and, and sell them things it just seemed to come naturally that makes it sound easy but I, I found it just clicked with me and then fast forward a few years I was selling cameras hmm. I think both kind of consumer little compact cameras and high-end professional gear but in 2009 more and more people were using their mobile phones for cameras and that combined with the recession meant the business shut down I was out of the job so I thought what should I do then I remembered back to this copywriting thing I thought hang on I'm interested in the adverts And this classic definition of copywriting is salesmanship in print. I thought, I've just spent several years learning how to sell. I like writing. The adverts fascinate me. I'll give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? And, well, 14 years later, I'm still here.
1: Wow. And when you actually started getting interested in copywriting, in terms of the timeline, so had you been interested in copywriting as a side hobby before you even started selling? Or did the copywriting only come after you had that sales job and realized, hey, selling is a powerful tool and doing it through the written word is even more powerful. So I should invest some time kind of learning about copywriting.
0: Yes. It, it was only after I'd done the sales. I didn't even think about it. The term probably never even crossed my mind. I'm not even sure what triggered it when I left the job. I genuinely comment whether I saw it somewhere online again or... I might have seen it looking through a list of jobs. I genuinely can't remember, but something triggered it. And I thought, hang on, why not give that a go?
1: So you were selling, was it cameras to like just individuals or to other companies? Or what was that dynamic? And did you find success in that role? We were selling cameras to anyone
0: and everyone. It was for the, it was for the camera chain Jessops. It was a high street chain in the UK, a big high street chain, with several hundred branches. they went under, and they they came back a few years ago, but not so many branches. And we sold cameras to everyone. We sold them to the police, to universities, to other businesses, to schools, to individuals, to absolutely everybody. And they stocked everything from the most expensive $10,000 cameras down to little $100 portables. And it was fascinating to me, because as a nerd, I've got to learn about all these different cameras all the different things. You get to learn any of the tripod setups, the lighting setups, and we did video cameras as well. And yeah, I discovered I was good at it. I did well at it because for starters, we were paid on commission, which let me earn a pretty good wage to start with because I discovered all I really had to do was walk up to people and basically find out what they wanted. And then when I knew what they wanted, I'd guide them to the camera that I thought would best deliver it to them. That was all I ever did. I could see some of my colleagues maybe a bit pushier, a bit slicker than me, kept going with the rough and ready approach. And I think people were attracted to me probably a bit in that because I do look like the type of guy who's going to know a lot about cameras and that I'll call myself a nerd again. But yeah, I've got that appeal. And when I start talking about something seriously, people took me seriously, I think. I came off more as an expert trying to help them rather than some guy just trying to flog them. Whatever, we've got 200 other out in the warehouse in the back we need to get rid of.
1: Yeah. And so how do you actually make the transition? So even if you were like relatively successful at selling cameras, but then you get interested in the whole copywriting space, the Nowadays, you've been doing this for a decade plus, and you have a reputation of doing good work. You have a a following on X, and you have past clients who you've done good work for, so you have built up some credibility. But when you were first starting and making that transition to just purely selling cameras, to starting to get your first gig in the copywriting space, how did that happen? Like, where was your first opportunity source from?
0: I'll have to admit, I put it a bit of an advantage over a lot of people when I was starting out. Because I was still living at home with my parents, which meant I didn't need to bring a wage in straight away. There was no mortgage to pay, no need to put food on the table. That was all provided for me, thankfully. So I, I probably was a bit slower and lazier about it than I should have been. But how I got started was posting on the internet marketing forum, because they were very popular at the time. It was before social media took off. It was the Warrior Forum. They've got a copywriting section. And I started posting there. I answered people's questions, I provided feedback on their copy, and pretty much like I've done now on X, it very quickly built me up a reputation. It got people interested in me, they got to know my name, and after a few months, one person posted, I need my copy rewritten, can anyone do it? I've not got much money. I thought, I'm not fussed about the money at this point, I just want to get the experience and the proof I can deliver. So I DM'd him and said, I can do it, and he said yes, and that was the start of my journey.
1: Amazing. And in terms of looking at the span of your career and the the big successes and just the scale, the variability, what are, I guess, some of the biggest opportunities that you've had the privilege of actually partaking in in terms of like economics and things like that? Are you able to share the scale?
0: Yeah. The first one, a big opportunity to have was working with a gentleman called Gary Sayer. He's a British internet marketer. After I'd done that first job and I was looking for more work, he reached out to me and said, oh, he's always looking for a copywriter. He said, most of them are American, so he'd quite like to work with a fellow Brit. And could I work with him on his latest project? And he'd pay me 50% of the money it made. Hmm. And a 50% loyalty split is is a very large split. It's it's not something that's usual. But we we ended up becoming friends, chatting most nights on Skype. There there was no video chat back then. It was generally all done via text. And I did the project for him. He launched it, and it converted about 14%. That's very high. If people don't know conversion rates, that that was incredibly high. And he was ecstatic. I was ecstatic because it proved to me I could do this. And although it wasn't a huge amount of money it paid me, it was more than I'd ever been paid at any point in my life, up to that point, I think the entire project came out at about $6,000 in the end. And true to his word, he sent me the $3,000 via PayPal. And that was for something that took me about a week to write. I'd gone from... Like I said, I've been stacking shelves, doing tills, earning a bit in sales, to suddenly earning $3,000 for a week. I've literally just spent a few hours a day to computer thing.
1: It must have been a mind-blowing experience for you in terms of just uh, the scale of opportunity that existed from there moving forward.
0: It does. It, it shifts your whole mindset because, yeah, you're, yes, you're, you're seeing what's possible. It's no longer a case of, oh, can I survive? Can I make a few hundred dollars this month, a few hundred dollars next month? Now it's, oh, I want to make a few thousand dollars this month and then by the end of the year I want to make tens of thousands and yeah it completely transformed the way I look at everything
1: and if we just start from the basics of what even is copywriting i'm doing a learning sprint on marketing and advertising and i guess in terms of copywriting it's mostly persuading or convincing others via text to to buy something whether it's online or in paper
0: As a general definition, you you say copywriting is just marketing, just writing for marketing, that's all it is. But there's kind of two broad types. And the first one, the one probably most people are going to be familiar with, is what's known as as brand copywriting. And that's copywriting for companies like Nike or McDonald's. So when you see their adverts, that's known as brand copywriting. And generally, the idea of that advert isn't to get you to buy now. They just want you to think about them. They want to get top of mind. So you're always in the in their head Mm. to put it into maybe internet marketing terms you could put it as as the very top of the funnel that is they they just want you to think about them whereas the other type is known as direct response this is what i do and as the name suggests this is where you're writing for a response and that response might be to get the sale or it might be to get someone's email address it might be to get them to attend a webinar or a meeting anything where there's one specific goal you want people to do
1: And if we talk about just the copywriting tactics, like tips and tricks, so you have an incredible X post that's like a master thread and it's pinned on your profile. And you kind of outline a bunch of different kind of key attributes to be thinking about if you actually want to get better at creating good copywriting and maybe just touching on a couple of those. So one of the things that has come up repeatedly with the advertising and marketing content that I've been working through is like the importance of headlines and how much more important headlines are than sometimes the content itself for grabbing somebody's attention. I guess two questions there, like one with respect to, to headlines or captions, what is your overall experience been in terms of the importance there? And then two, in terms of creating good headlines and maybe mistakes that are commonly made could you share a little bit on that front
0: yes yes I, I agree with basically what you just said the headline is easily the most important part of pretty much anything you're going to write because the headline is the advert for your advert. so if it doesn't hook somebody if somebody doesn't want to read on then they're not going to take whatever action you want them to take so yes if you've looked at it in terms of the 80 20 rule then the headline is the 80 20 it's the 20 percent of your advert that produces 80 percent of the results. So it, yes, it, it's a vital element. And then in terms of kind of tips, tricks and mistakes, the, the simplest way to write a headline, is still one of the most effective, is just to make a huge promise in it. So whatever you're selling, just make the biggest promise or maybe in more formal marketing terms, the biggest value proposition. That's a very safe bet to put in the headline. And then to help with that, I would then underneath that big promise include some element of proof. It's one thing to say, I can make you a million dollars in 30 days. And it's another thing to actually be able to prove that you can do that. And common mistakes, I think I see with headlines, they often tend to be too long, unfocused. People start to talk about several different things when you really want to focus it on just one element. And another problem is they're not relevant to the body copy, the rest of the advert. People can try to get a bit clever rather than just tell the prospect for them, the a big a promise.
1: And I'm curious in terms of your own personal copywriting process. So if you have a new project that you find interesting and think you can add value in, do you have like a set rule or system of how you go about developing copy? Or does it just naturally emerge based on your Rolodex of information that you've stored up over the years?
0: I always like to tell people I've got a system. But whenever I come to teach it to people, it turns out it's less of a system than I thought it was. <laughs> but there is a general process. Say so we've just finished a call and you've hired me to write some copy for a, for, a, for an investment course, say. And literally, the first thing I'm going to do is just go on Google and type in investment opportunities. And I'm just going to get familiar with the yeah. whole market, just a, a general understanding of it. So I know what the terms are, the language, that type of thing. And then after that, I'm going to start to look into who are you wanting to sell to? Who's your ideal audience? I'm going to you know what to know. who are they? What do they want? What don't they want? What objections might they have to buying? What sort of language do they use? And then when I know who your audience is, and then I'm going to start to look at the competition, That who else is selling to them? Because it's very unlikely you're the only person, especially in the investment market, you're far from the only person selling advice. So I'd go and I'd look at all your competitors. I'd say, what are their headlines? What do they say? What's their messages? What are their offers? How much does it cost? All of that. And then the next step is then I would look at what you're selling and I would go through it. I would, first of all, I always list every single feature I can find. For example, if it's a book, I'd even, i want to know how many pages there are in it, every little last detail. And then I would start to convert all of those features into benefits. In other words, what they do for the uh, prospect. And then when I've got that, I've got a huge list of benefits. And then I can start writing the advert properly. And I typically start by outlining it. Start with the headline down to the close and outline every element of it. And then I'll do different passes, fleshing it out each time. And... Yeah, that's pretty much the process I follow.
1: Interesting. And in terms of copywriting and the skill sets and the amount of improvement that you've seen over time, so you've been doing this now for over 10 years. And I'm just curious in terms of if we were to just take each five-year increment uh, of your career as a copywriter. And I know that you're like a continuous learner. Do you feel like there are deep insights that you continue to make with your copywriting journey? Because a lot of the copywriting content or advice that I see out there, I don't know, maybe there's like somewhere between 25 and 50 tips and tricks. And once you acquire those tips and tricks, like you're, you get 80% of the way there. Do you still find you're making like big breakthroughs or insights?
0: Yes, definitely. Every day. I think I've got to and better. Because while it can be a fairly narrow field, it's a very deep subject. So there's almost always more to learn, more to improve. You can get better and better. And yes, now I typically get focused on what I learn. For example, this year, i focused entirely on improving my storytelling. I've read books, attended courses, I've paid for some consulting on that to get people to look at my storytelling and improve it. And yes, I've gone all in. And hopefully by the end of the year, I will notice an improvement on what I can do.
1: And in terms of the insights on storytelling specifically, so obviously storytelling is a powerful asset to have, especially when you are trying to sell a product or something like that. Are there any recent learnings from the storytelling kind of a journey or your development there, like how you've become better at doing so? You want to think of the
0: story as a mirror. For example, you think you might be telling your story, in yeah. the, but you're not, you're really telling the story of your prospect. So let's say a weight loss advert, for example, you're writing about weight loss. Your story might be, oh, I was obese. I know I struggled to walk, this, that and the other. Then I found this, whatever, this system. And now I'm super fit. The first part where you're talking about how obese you were, that wants to mirror your prospect's experience. So you're showing them you understand them. You were were where they are and they can see themselves in that. And then likewise, when you talk about how you are now, You're essentially giving them a kind of a crystal ball almost. You're letting them see their own future. This is what you could be. This is what you want to be. So yes. So when you're telling stories, you're never really telling your story. You're always telling their story.
1: In terms of the predictability and success of copywriting content that you produce, are you and at any times surprised at either the success or the failure of copywriting content that you produce because one of the one of the very unusual things is that if you think that copywriting there's like a specific science to it and if you can figure out that science then you could have some reliability as to whether or not something will work but oftentimes things work that you wouldn't have expected work and vice versa. So in terms of your long career, what have you seen in terms of your ability to predict the success or failure of certain pieces?
0: Back in 2011, a popular blog asked me how well was video going to take off in marketing? And I said, it's a fad. It'll be done by the end of the year. <laughs> so that, that gives you an idea of how well I'm at predicting things. No, it's incredibly difficult to predict. Even the biggest publishers of direct response copy, they probably have a one in three success rate of everything they put out there. And they've got decades of data and everything to back it up. And even then they only get one in three pieces of copyright. So it's it's incredibly hard to predict what's going to work because things are changing all the time. The market's changing, people are changing. For example, let's say if you wrote a fantastic advert for saying NFT, you wrote that last year, It would have sold amazingly well. If you wrote the exact same thing this year, no one's even going to look twice at it. Hmm. So you've got so many factors, it's hard to judge.
1: And with a lot of novice or amateur copywriters that try and start in the space, in terms of errors that they make or common mistakes that you see again and again, that you would try and advise others to just think more critically about? Are there common occurrences that you could share that uh, that come up?
0: First, the big one is, this isn't exactly what you ask, but the big one is they stop learning. They, it's a one and done thing. I can look it on X and there's several people, Oh, I've mastered it now, you started four months ago. I'm not entirely sure you know the basics, and there's a lot of that. They read a book, and they, they maybe get a system from the book, and they think they're done, and, that's, and the field is so competitive. I'm, I'm reading every new book that comes out. They, they stand no chance at all of making it, so the, the biggest thing is simply you need to understand it's a lifelong thing. You need to keep learning, but in terms of specific mistakes people make, a common one is simply writing too much, Because even though you can see some of those long sales letters where they've got 10,000 words it seems like they scroll forever, the person writing that will have trimmed away every possible word they can. Whereas a lot of the new copywriters I see, a lot of it, you could simply go through their work with a red pen and cross out half the lines. They don't add anything to it. They're just overwriting. And another problem is not enough benefits. That's a very common one. I think people listen to all these slightly fancier theories about what they should have in their copy, and they focus on that over the fundamentals like benefits. So they end up ignoring it. And another big one is proof, because people are sceptical and getting more and more sceptical with everything being sold online. So you always need to be able to prove that what you're saying is true, that your product can deliver on whatever promise you're making. So you, you need to go far heavier on proof. A lot of people, they'll just put some testimonials on a page and think that's enough, whereas you need to go far deeper.
1: And I'm curious on the point that you had made earlier about predictability and sometimes you being surprised at what works and what doesn't. Have you tried to experiment at all with like ChatGPT or other AI technologies where you ask them to develop like a a copywriting piece and see like what the outcome of of that is?
0: We've played with uh, ChatGPT and AI. I think at the moment, I say it's probably best to say it's promising. Probably within two or three years, it will be writing copy for us and copywriters will become more copy editors or copy strategists but at the moment it, it can be good for ideas and i know some people use it for research i've still found when you ask it to do research you have to go and double check everything it does because there's still a habit of it just making stuff up yeah i think there's a lot of promise with ai but it's it's not quite there yet
1: yeah it it is interesting because there are these like set rules and maybe one is like you should work on being concise with the words that you use because a lot of the fluff can be taken out. And if you're trying to grab somebody's attention, you have to be concise. And so with something like that, it seems like there is direct... Applicability with AI, but still the puzzle that needs to be solved is there are still these dynamic relationships between how people react and like the market out there. And if that is constantly changing, it seems like if everybody has AI tools and is all and everybody is using it, that there's some maybe like human elements behind the genius of creating a great advertisement where there will still be need for like excellent people who can develop good copy. It it would be interesting to me to see, and who knows whether or not like copywriting as a practice would go extinct. But I do have hope that uh, the human element is still a very key piece to to the equation.
0: Yeah, I think it always will be. It's like with, you can get fancy calculators and I imagine you can get computers that can do almost all the maths you want for Mm -hmm. you. But if I use them, I could maybe sit there with a man you'll follow a YouTube video and do something. But you wouldn't trust it anywhere near as much as a properly trained mathematician who knows the maths Anyway, it can have a look. You can make sure the computer is actually doing the right thing. Is it going in the right direction? If you ask your AI to write a piece of copy, you need to be able to judge. Has it actually done a good job? You know, you, obviously you can. Again, you can find probably a list of rules, guidelines, best practices and try and judge them against what it's produced. But you still need some skill, I think, to make sure it's doing what it should.
1: Yeah. The question, and this is maybe more of a philosophical question of how do you generate original ideas? You could see that you can use calculators or AI to do very complex calculations, but in terms of AI developing a grand theorem that like humans have historically always come up with in novel ways, where it doesn't seem like we're at that point where they can help with that. And I wonder if analogizing that into like the marketing advertising space is kind of a a similar process. where like with very basic rule-based things, AI can be helpful. But in terms of coming up with deep insights about good marketing tactics that will have massive payouts, the human element is still necessary. I I do have a a question related to like novice copywriters in terms of them getting started and figuring out like how to get their first client. Would you have recommendations on like resources or places for novice copywriters looking to kind of take a stab at it?
0: The first thing I would do is make sure everyone in your network knows that you're now a copywriter. And people might say, well, network, I don't have a network. And that's simply a fancy term for anybody you know. All your friends, all your family, acquaintances, if you've got any colleagues, ex-colleagues, even if you're regularly going to shop, make sure the shop owner knows. And as well as that, when you don't tell anyone, as well, you do copywriting because no one knows what it means. You do advertising, you do marketing whatever, just put it in simple terms. And then you can also ask them if they might know anybody who you could help. And that way, not only are you using your network, you're also using their network. And as long as you peer sincere and ask people for help, I think it's probably the quickest and easiest way to get your first client.
1: And speaking of networks as well, like your involvement with X and your decision to start posting content there, you have quite a large following at this point. What was your expectation when you first started posting content? Was it originally copywriting when you had first started?
0: I first got my X account. It was probably about a year before I started posting. I can't remember why I got, I think it was to follow a friend or somebody said, I'd have a look at this. So I ended up signing up with an account. And then at some point along the way, a tweet from Money Twitter, I Money X now it would be, appeared on the timeline. I think it might have been from somebody like Rogue Wealth or Dakota Robertson, one of the big accounts. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. I didn't even think this could be a platform for marketing and copywriting. So I ended up going down the rabbit hole, following a load of different accounts, seeing what they're doing with thought, oh, This is pretty interesting. And I thought at first, I, was like, I couldn't do this. I'm not the most social person in the world. They're all big personality types. They're charismatic. They're clever. They're cool. I'm none of those things. So I'm thinking, oh, it's interesting to follow. But then I started to see some smaller accounts were just posting pure value. And I thought, oh, I think I could do this. And I think I can do it at a higher level than most of these people because I've got more experience. A lot more experience than most of them, as generally it was beginners, kind of teaching beginners. So I thought maybe I can step in as a veteran presence providing actionable advice. And I thought I can do this. And judging from what I'd seen, I thought I'd top out at about 3,000 followers. That seemed to be about the most for a pure value account. So I did, I started a new account. I put literally 30 seconds of thought into everything from the account name to the bio. Everything you see now in my account is new. It's still a dreadful banner. I did myself in Canva, but uh, <laughs> it's better than the first one I did. And I just started posting valuable tips. I thought I'd post them three times a day and I'll give it two years and I'll see what happens. And then it started taking off. It started a big accounts DMing me, saying this stuff's great. I got shout outs, had my content shared. And yeah, it took off. It did far better than I expected. I was like happy when I got my first 100 followers. And then you get your first 1,000 and I'm... Like, wow, this, this, I've got a 1,000 people listening to me. And then it hits 10,000. Like, oh, this could become something for me. This is serious. And mm-hmm. it hits 20,000. Like, That's like a full stadium of people all listening to me. You know? Are they mad? There's really anything better to do. And then, I just yeah, it's just kept on going. It's been successful.
1: And have you seen business opportunities come out of the X account that you've actually engaged in?
0: I I've, I've get a lot of opportunities. Every week, people are asking me if I can do things for them. And I've not taken them up. on. I've only taken them up on one opportunity so far, simply because they're not my target audience. I write for uh, the bigger direct response publishers where the fees are quite a bit higher than uh, are possible to get on X. Interesting.
1: Tell me more about that in terms of your direct audience. So what does that mean in terms of the types of opportunities that you actually entertain?
0: The, the kind of from my audience at the moment, what I'm getting is it's just it is opportunity for writing copy, but it's typically at a smaller scale. It might be to write a, an advert for say a gum road product, something, the chances are the most it's going to make are ten or twenty thousand dollars. Whereas I have to talk about the money side of things generally, but my fee is more than twenty thousand dollars just to write the sales page. Yeah. So it, it doesn't make any sense for them to hire me or for me to accept the job. But then I've built up a network of people I can refer them to.
1: Yeah. You're a major league copywriter and uh, you don't need to take minor league opportunities.
0: That's one way to put it. I, I don't say that to anybody. I'm, normally, I'm normally just say, I'm sorry, I'm not looking for new clients or something like that. Not, not your poor, get away from me.
1: <laughs> but how, how does it work in terms of where you're at now? So there's like a fee that the company will pay out for you to write copy for them. And then is there also a high incentive for that piece of copy to do well that you'll get a return from as well?
0: Yes, when when you start to get better at right, writing copy right, for bigger companies and the typical structure is you pay an upfront fee and then you get a royalty. And online, it's typically a percentage of each sale. Mm. And that percentage, it's normally only around 3 to 5% because, you know, obviously margins and everything, but for some products, it can be a little lower than that. And for some opportunities, it can be a, quite a bit higher because with digital products, there's obviously there's little overhead in them. It's not unheard of to go up to 20%. And like I said, it was my first ever royalty project. I got 50%, but that's wow. far from the norm. Normally, a 5% would be a good royalty
1: amount. And have you seen in just being on Twitter, when you first started making posts uh, about copywriting content, that there were others, experts in the the field that were doing something similar? Or was this pretty original from your perspective when you first started?
0: I think I was about the first person. That, that was the gap in the market I spotted for... Uh, a veteran to be posting actionable advice. There's a few more have done it now, have dived in. But yes, I was pretty much the first. I think that gave me a big advantage mm. uh, for everybody else because there are a few copywriters on Twitter now who are very big names in the industry and they're struggling to get any traction at all. There's people who almost don't know what they're talking about. have got massive audiences for copywriters and there's yeah. genuine experts on there, people who are legends in the industry, are struggling to get more than a couple of thousand people following them because they don't know how to play the Twitter game as well as some of us do.
1: And let me ask you maybe a more practical question about your daily writing and how you interact with other people, because I would imagine that once you develop an expertise with copywriting, even like writing regular texts and emails and messages you have to like obsess over the writing to where there's i can't remember the quote but it's sorry this is so long i didn't have time to make it shorter kind of thing does it like bother you sometimes you have to be very precise with how you interact with other people because now you're a copywriting expert or can you like put aside hey this is not my copywriting work i don't need to think too much about this kind of thing
0: yeah i've always been fairly good at think mentalizing most aspects of my life So, yes, that thankfully has never been an issue for me. That if you look at some of my posts on X, I think the last time I posted my copywriting challenge on Wednesday, I had a couple of people question the phrasing of something I'd written. So, (laughs) yeah, because if I think of it as copy, I don't want to spend hours writing it, then hours editing it. For me, it's just throw it up, move on.
1: Yeah. And so, so what is what in in terms of your X accounts and your aspirations over the course of, let's say, the next decade of your career? Are you going to just continue to use like X as a for fun? I'm providing value to other people type of thing. And I still have my copywriting career. Do you have like aspirations to do anything different on that front?
0: Okay. I nearly retired before starting my X account. Wow. Yeah. I'm in the position where. I'm in a fairly good position, obviously. (laughs) And I started this to diversify my income streams a bit. That sounds a bit fancy for me. Because I've just been writing copy for clients. I've been doing a bit of consulting and critiquing for them as well. And I thought I could help other copywriters with coaching, consulting, critiquing, and do that. So that was my aim with this account. And that's what I want to focus more on going forward. And just cut down on the client work a little bit.
1: I see. And so, how old are you at this point when you were considering "quote unquote" retiring? Because you're still relatively young in the grand scheme of your career, right? Forty-four at
0: the moment. Okay.
1: Yeah. So that's well, you're doing quite well. And I, I, when you first like started in copywriting, did you even have a conception of the financial gains that were possible? I knew that it
0: was possible to make a lot of money if you reached the
1: very top. When I first started,
0: <laughs> the sole financial goal was to buy my dad a CD player. Ah. That, wow. that, that that was it i think mean, it was a 500 cd player i don't know if you've seen them advertised it's a cd player you put your cds into and it stores them on a hard drive inside the inside the system so you can load say 100 cds on and it becomes like a sort of your own personal spotify i can't remember the name of it now i thought they've had me at home for years they've put up with me for far too long let's see if i can just get them this And then I moved quite a bit past that level, but I discovered there's a bit of a cliff, I think, in copywriting. Mm. It's very much just kind of a 99% and a 1%. 99% of copywriters are doing okay, probably earning an average wage, perfectly happy with that. And then 1% are earning a lot of money. And I was lucky enough to join that
1: 1%. How would you describe in terms of attributes or advantages or skill sets that 1% has that the 99% doesn't? Is it just a matter of having the right relationships and connections, or is there a very specific competency gap between the 99% and 1% that you can identify? It's a competency gap. This is what
0: I like about direct response. Copying, it's all based on results. And if you can deliver results and show people you can deliver results, you don't really need much else. There's very little politics and little manoeuvring. There's some networking. People know each other. But if you can get a result, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are or whatever. That, that's good enough to get you hired. And, yeah, I think it's like I said earlier, it's a constant learning. You've got to be continually learning. I've had some of these calls with some people who've been copywriting for a few years and they've not known concepts that I thought were basics. And I think I've done my best acting to pretend I'm not surprised, but I'm thinking it's blowing my mind. I think, how, how can you be this far in your career and not know that? And I don't know if any of them will believe me when I tell them you need to keep learning, hit the books, read the courses, pay somebody for their time who's where you want to be and get them because, yeah, you just need to keep getting better and better. It's purely results driven.
1: That's so much of why I I wanted to start podcasting is to continue to test my learning, especially from people in fields outside of my own, which is my background is in like finance and economics. And so you're really the first copywriting person that I've ever spoken to. But was it always that approach for you in terms of your curiosity uh, towards copywriting? Like even when you were an undergrad and you were studying accounting and you realized you didn't want to do that, do you still have the mindset of like, it's always learning, learning, learning?
0: Yeah, that's probably been the big advantage I've had. I've always been obsessed with it. I think, oh God, I'm going to get a complete life story now. I was born with pretty much everything, not everything wrong. That's harsh. I had asthma. I had eczema. I was allergic to everything. I was at a very small weak frame. I was told by the doctors I couldn't basically do anything at all. So books became my life. And early on, my father bought a computer I and mean, it was an Amstrad CPC 464 and all with, with a cassette drive on it that was the, the norm back then obviously unheard of now I taught myself programming on that I, I taught myself graphic design on that and I've always been a teacher then after I watched the Jackie Chan movie and thought he's the greatest man in the world I want to do that I want to be able to do that hmm. and promptly every doctor said no you can't do that you, you're seriously ill And I went to karate schools. so they they basically made it quite clear they did not want me in there. I was so pathetic and weedy looking that I think the one class that did have me, it nearly killed me. And then I thought, no, I'm going to do this. I can do this by myself. I'm going to teach myself. And I started running everywhere. Fast forward a couple of months, I could do a 20 minute run downtown and not be out of breath. And then I got myself stronger and I did that with martial arts, just continually learn. I fought professionally. Of 26 fights, 26 wins, so I can boast for a second, in professional Thai boxing. And it's the same there. If you look in my bedroom, you'll discover there's just a library of martial arts books. I buy them all, the latest ones, stay learning. Yeah.
1: Have you thought about with a lot of the learning? that you do and kind of insatiable reading i mean you post often like recommendations on books and resources already on your x account have you thought about like compiling a full course or resource library for copywriting or does something like that already exist that you would point others to i
0: was thinking earlier today that i should compile all my book recommendations into one library for people so no i've i've seen people post lists obviously like mine plenty of people post recommendations but no i've not seen a really comprehensive one so no i was thinking i might do a long form post with recommendations for copywriting marketing thinking all the other various skills that go into it
1: yeah i think i would find that of uh, of great interest if you did do that and maybe a- another question which is in terms of what separates good copywriters and and great copywriters obviously you are like an insatiable learner do you attribute most of the what makes a good copywriter simply by just like reading and knowing more or are there like inherent traits that can distinguish you just from the jump i think
0: there probably are inherent traits you look at most great copywriters and they're all almost all insatiably curious. They want to know more. It's all, they always want to know more. You're not going to get them to suddenly type on your neck, oh, I've mastered the basics now. I've, <laughs> I've grasped this it now. It's wanting to know more. So, yeah. yeah, it's that curiosity. And often it's an interest in other people as well, being really interested in people. I found that's a common trait. And as well as that, a lot of copywriters will already have a fairly good skill at something else. When I started, a lot of them were musicians, you know, pretty good musicians. And now it seems a lot of them are are transitioning to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA. They're taking those up. Or in fact, or it's uh, former athletes are moving again to it. They've already got that skill. They already know what it takes to hit a high level. And they'll understand when I say, oh, spend every day for the first year writing benefits to them. It's, oh, that's just training. It's just what I do. So I do it. Whereas you tell somebody who's maybe brand new to having personal success. And that's insane. You can't just do that for every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. And I, so I'm reading this book, uh, Scientific Advertising, and I'm enjoying it very much. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was in terms of the copywriting that you do, is there a lot of like sophisticated analytics that is going behind the work that you do in terms of like A-B testing and things like that?
0: Yeah. All the uh, big publishers do far more testing than you can possibly imagine. But for most people starting out, you don't want to worry about too much. Generally, the headline is the thing you want to test. The headline is the biggest needle mover, as it were. And how you do that is whatever headline you write, you typically want to write a headline that's almost the opposite. Huh. So let's say, you know, how to make a million dollars in 30 days. Obviously, it's a terrible headline, but you know, that's making a big promise. Yep. So if I wanted to test that, instead of making a promise, I would focus on the problem, protecting money from inflation. As usual, my mind has gone blank when I come to give an example, but something that focuses, instead of the positive, it focuses on the negative.
1: And it, instead of the positive, it focuses on the negative. And is that because human nature is, we're more sensitive to, to negative information than we are positive?
0: It is. Negativity can be a bigger hook, but as yeah. well as that, you also want to test the biggest differences. Because a lot of people would only test small differences. So they might have how to make a million dollars in 30 days, and they might test, discover how to make a million dollars in 30 days. Whereas realistic, that one extra word at the start is going to make no difference at all. You need to test big changes. I might test that. Once I do that, test a negative angle. And then I could also maybe test a more story-driven approach. How a former gymnast earned a million dollars in 30 days through this simple trading system.
1: Specificity. The specificity is very important when it comes to a lot of the copywriting content that you produce.
0: Is I mean, the, the five, kind of the fundamental five, as I call them, the five areas everyone should focus on when they are starting out. So the first is clarity. And yes. that's making sure that what you write is easy to understand. And that's one of those things a lot of people, they turn the nose on that because it's, it's obvious. But having read so much copy, it's not obvious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's You do need to have a good command of English and be able to write well to make sure it's clear. And then the second of the five factors is specificity. Make sure you get as specific as possible because specificity is believability. And the more specific I can get on something, the more believable it becomes. And then the third point benefits, and I think I've touched on those a few times earlier.
1: Yeah. The
0: benefits, in other words, what, what are the benefits of what you're selling? You want to go really heavily on those. And then the fourth point is another one I've touched already proof. You want to be able to prove everything you say. And then the fifth, is research, I think I also briefly talked about this, it's understanding who you're selling to, Mm -hmm. understanding what you're selling, and understanding who else is selling a similar
1: product. It's a great framework. And as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up here on time, I do want to say for those listening that are interested in gleaning Andrew's insights, his X account is, is terrific and has an incredible amount of value. So Andrew, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, sharing your, your tips and tricks. And I look forward to continuing to learn alongside you and following your journey here. Thank you for hosting me,
0: Tyler. I've had a great time here today with you. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Idea Exchange Podcast. For more information on the podcast and more information about myself, you can visit tylercho.com. I also send out a monthly newsletter to friends, family, and colleagues where... I essentially share the best ideas that I came across from that month, whether it was books that I've been reading, podcasts that I've been listening to, or just conversations that I've been having. So feel free to subscribe on the homepage of my personal website. Until next time.